Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. Father, I thank you for all the dads in the house. Not only those that are physical fathers, but those that are spiritual fathers as well. I thank you, Lord, for all of the stuff that dads have done for us, the things that they have imparted to us, the lessons that we have learned, the model that they have displayed before us. And we pray special blessing upon dads, physical fathers, and spiritual fathers alike today. And God, we just ask that every heart today be wide open to receive what you have for us. Because God, we want to have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We want to be the people of God that is not hardened in our heart, but that our hearts are soft and tender and pliable in your hands, and that you mold us and you make us into the image of Christ. So Lord, let each one be ready to receive, and then take what they have received, and allow that incorruptible seed of your word to germinate into the good soil of their heart, and have it produce fruit and fruit that remains. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. Give somebody a long-distance high-five. Hallelujah. Tell somebody you're blessed, and then you can be seated. Amen. I believe that we are facing a crisis in America today. And it is a crisis that is affecting every area of our society. And folks, this crisis did not start in Hollywood. This crisis did not start in Washington, D.C., This crisis did not start with our public schools, nor did it start with our law enforcement. The crisis that we are facing as a nation has come from we, the Christians, who have allowed our passion and our fire and our zeal for God to dwindle down from raging flames to just glowing embers. And folks, if we're ever going to have revival come to this nation... It's not going to come because things change in the prison house or the movie house or the school house or the court house or the state house or the white house. It's going to come when there is change in the church house. Amen? Turn to your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. While you're turning there, I want to read to you two verses of Scripture from 2 Samuel chapter 1. David has just been given word that King Saul has died and his son Jonathan has died. And of course, Jonathan is David's best friend. After hearing this news, David cries out in verse 25 and 27, how the mighty have fallen in battle, how the mighty have fallen. That's the title of my message this morning. Church, I believe that we are living in a day when many mighty men and mighty women of God have fallen. And folks, it is imperative that we get back up again. Amen? We must become aware of the responsibilities that God has given to us as believers, as warriors of the kingdom, as ambassadors for Christ. So let's read Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 22. Then they brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. 
Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by who do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter into a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first binds up or ties up the strong man? Then he can rob the house. I declare to each of us today, as believers in Jesus, if we are bound up in any area of our life by the enemy, we risk losing precious things. We risk losing precious things. I'm telling you, we're watching our nation being stolen from us. We're watching our families being stolen from us. We're watching our cities being stolen from us. We're witnessing our churches being robbed of their effectiveness. And we are witnessing the people of God allowing the enemy to steal from them on a daily basis. We are experiencing moral earthquakes because of secret faults. Now, I don't need to bore you today with all the statistics about how evil the world is. I think we kind of know all about that. We understand that the drug culture is an epidemic in our nation. We're well aware of the sexual perversion that has infiltrated every level of our society. And sadly, it has even infiltrated the church. We're very much aware of prejudice and injustice in this nation. We're keenly familiar with the hatred and vitriol of politics in America. And yes, we're even up to date on the lack of power and miracles in the church. So I really don't need to give you the statistics. We understand this is the current reality and the current situation. It's sufficient to say it is noticeable and it is crippling us as we work our kingdom work. And folks, it has to turn around and it has to turn around quickly. Amen? Can I say some things that may seem harsh, but I really say it in love? Too many American Christians today are just wimps and wusses. Say amen or ouch. <laughs> they're childish. They're immature. They're more of a hindrance to the gospel than they are a help to the gospel. And let me say it real plain today. I do not blame the sinners for the condition of America. I don't blame the homosexuals. I don't blame the liberals. I don't even blame this generation of young people. I put the blame squarely where it belongs, right at the feet of Christian leaders and Christian believers. Why? Because if we as Christians really lived a Christian life, folks, things would be drastically different in this nation. If we who name the name of Christ would depart from apathy and lukewarmness and stagnation, we would see a considerable change in our nation today. If we could just stop the petty bickering and the intramural fighting within the church today, we might just actually be able to advance the kingdom of God and change our communities. Folks, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. And one thing that salt does is it slows down the decaying process. And as a church, we're failing at that job. Now, it's either two reasons. Number one, either the salt has stayed in the shaker, or number two, the salt has lost its savor. We've been called to be the light of the world. Light will always drive out darkness. It doesn't work the other way around. I've never seen darkness overtake a birthday cake. And blow out the candles. Come on. 
light always drives out darkness. Amen? But too many of us have hidden our light under a basket because we don't want to offend anybody. We have become so politically correct and ecumenically minded that we have traded in our high-powered spotlight for one of those little tiny pen lights. And the world is stumbling around in the darkness trying to figure out the meaning of life, and they can't seem to find heaven from the little bit of light that we're putting out. It seems that the American church has moved from being a firefly for Jesus to a glowworm for Jesus. Amen? But I believe Jesus is standing at the door of our hearts, and he is knocking. And he's wanting to restore us all to the strong people of God that he has called us to be. Amen? He is looking for some righteous people who will stand up today and be counted for what is right and not necessarily what is popular. Folks, hear me when I tell you this. Doing what's right is not always popular, and doing what's popular is not always right. Jesus said, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds up the strong man, and then he will plunder the house? Folks, I'm telling you, the devil's not stupid. He doesn't need to spiritually kill us to make us ineffective in the kingdom of God. He just needs to get us bound up. And sadly, he is a master at his craft. And he has ensnared so many of God's people in a variety of ways. I just want to real quickly share with you three ways in which he has bound us up. Let's start with the first one, the disheartened. Looking at Gideon, Judges chapter 6 and verse 7. Everybody say disheartened. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be disheartened. Judges chapter 6 and verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tiberneth tree, which was in Orpha, which belonged to Joash the Abergite, while his son Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now the Midianites were from the land of Midian. They would come right about harvest time and they would come into the land of Israel and they would steal the crops and steal the livestock. They were vicious and the Israelites were so afraid of them, nobody wanted to seem to stand up against them. And here's Gideon, just a young man, and he's hiding out in a wine press threshing wheat. Now folks, a wine press is for pressing grapes, not for threshing wheat. But Gideon has somehow found some wheat that the Midianites didn't get yet. And he's got his small amount of wheat. And he goes down into a wine press. It's down in the ground where you really can't see. And he's there threshing his wheat secretly. Come on. He's, he's secretly threshing out just enough to survive on. Man, doesn't that sound like a whole lot of Christians today. I just want enough of God to get to heaven, but not enough to be effective here on the earth. They're fearful like Gideon, hiding out. And here the angel of the Lord comes and visits Gideon and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Say what? Well, what, we got a blind angel? I mean, was he not that bright? Was he a taco short of a combo platter? What in the world is he doing calling Gideon a mighty man of valor? But listen, he called Gideon by how God sees him. And folks, it's the same with us. God calls us. He places his hand upon us. And we stand back and go, who? Me? Lord, you want to use me? And God had to convince Gideon that God meant business. So God was calling Gideon not to be disheartened. He was calling him to be courageous. Listen, we have a lot of Christians today in the Christian world that we live in in America that have what I call wishbone. 
I wish the government would change. I wish Hollywood would do better. I wish I could be like my pastor. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. They just have a wishbone. And then we have people within Christianity today that have what I call funny bone, where everything seems to be a joke. They just like to carry on, have a good time, but they can't seem to get serious about anything. Then we have a lot of Christians in the church world today that have a jawbone, and all they do is talk, 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 but they never seem to do anything. But I'm praying for God to give us some Christians that have a backbone where we learn to stand up for what is right. Amen? Folks, we got Christians that won't even post on social media what they really believe because they're afraid of the fallout. Folks, it's time for us to be a voice of righteousness. God called this disheartened man out of a place of fear and brought him into a place of courage. Come on, some of you know the story. God used Gideon and a small army to defeat an army that the Bible says was as innumerable as the sands of the sea. Why did God do that? He did it that way because he wanted this disheartened man to know that it really wasn't about his strength or his talent, but it was all about the power of God using him. Amen? Folks, that tells me it's not about our programs. It's not about our procedures. It's not about our politics. Listen, that's not going to win the war against sin and Satan. It's going to be the mighty hand of God working through us, his body, here on this earth. Folks, we got to stop being disheartened. we got to get out of the wine press of fear and let God give us the battle plan. Then once we have the battle plan, we can move forward in confidence, knowing that if God be for us, who can be against us? And that he'll use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Folks, we really don't have to fear the left, the liberals, the lawmakers, or the lawyers. We don't have to fear the educators, the economists, or the environmentalists. We don't need to fear. We just need to hear. Hear what God is saying. And he's saying, you are a mighty people of valor. It's time to rise up. Amen? And we allow God to infuse us and use us. We carry out his will and we will watch victory come. God is looking for some righteous people who will see themselves the way he sees them, rise up, walk in faith and obedience. But we've got to be willing to trust God and do what he says to do. Amen? And remember, God doesn't always call the qualified, but he will always qualify those that he calls. Amen? So we've got to lay aside that fear. We've got to lay aside that intimidation. We've got to step away from a disheartened mindset, step away from constant depression, and be the people of valor God has called us to be. No fear here needs to be the motto of the church today. Amen? No fear here. Secondly, let's look at the diseased. The diseased. This is the story of Naaman. We find it in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. Everybody say diseased. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be diseased. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He also was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Everybody say leper. Now when I read this scripture, I thought, man, this Naaman guy... He sounds like he's a pretty good guy. I mean, he's got a great job. He's a commander of the king's army. He's got a reputation that precedes him because he was great and he was honorable. He was even used by the Lord because through him, the Lord gave victory to Syria. And just like Gideon, he too was a mighty man of valor. But the scripture says he was a leper. 
In other words, he had a problem with his flesh. His flesh was diseased. And I wonder how many great men and women of God we have in the church today that have great talents, great abilities, great giftings, and yet they have a problem with their flesh. There's a lot of people throughout the course of time that have had problems with their flesh. Many times God would still use them to bring great deliverance through, but some just could not seem to gain control over their flesh, and it became their downfall. Men like Samson, Saul, Gehazi, Judas, strong men who were bound up by their flesh, whether it was greed, whether it was pride, whether it was sexual sins. And listen, there are a lot of God's anointed people. They are anointed of God, but they are diseased in their flesh. Church, hear me when I say this. We live in a dark, dirty world, and the devil is a master deceiver. He is a trickster, and he will do anything and everything he can to get us bound up in areas of our flesh. Naaman was a great man, but he was diseased. And he realized he could not solve his problem on his own. So he looked for help. He went to the man of God so that he could be healed of his leprosy. And Elisha the prophet told Naaman, go down to the Jordan and wash seven times. You may remember the story. Naaman resisted at first, but he finally did it. And when he came up out of the river the seventh time, the leprosy was healed. Folks, listen, God does the same thing to us. He tells us what we need to do to be free from our diseased flesh, but then it is up to us to walk in obedience to what he says to do. Amen? Naaman had a skin problem. We have a sin problem. And the same remedy to Naaman's skin problem is the same remedy to our sin problem. That's take a plunge in the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Folks, I'm here to tell you Jesus has come to set us free. He does not want us bound in chains of sin any longer. Sadly, the statistics about the issue of pornography in the church is startling. These stats come from George Barna. He's kind of known as the church statistician. This is what he says. Nearly 70% of Christian men, not worldly men, Christian men, nearly 70% of Christian men are viewing pornography on a regular basis. So if I had all the men stand up and I could count, 7 out of 10 of you is looking at porn on a regular basis. 50% of pastors view pornography on a regular basis. Nearly 80% of Christian ages 18 to 24 are actively and regularly searching out porn sites. One third of women ages 25 and under in the church search for porn on a monthly basis. 87% of Christian women say they have watched porn. Folks, hear me when I tell you it is time for us to get our diseased flesh healed at the fountain that is filled with the blood of the Lamb. Amen? We have to stop holding on to our diseased flesh and trying to hide our diseased flesh behind our gifts and our talents. And we come to Jesus for the cleansing tide and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Romans tells us that sin shall not have dominion 
over us, that we are no longer slaves to sin. Folks, I'm telling you, our sin nature has been crucified with Christ. We have to stop thinking that we have to sin. You don't have to sin. You don't have to sin in word, thought, or deed. If God can keep you for a minute, he can keep you for an hour. And if he can keep you for an hour, he can keep you for a day. And if he can keep you for a day, he can keep you for a week. Come on, Galatians says if we will walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Folks, there's no bondage that the blood of Jesus can't break. There's no habit that cannot be conquered with the help of the Holy Ghost. Jesus has come to set the captives free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it is time for us to arise. We cannot be disheartened Christians, and we cannot be diseased Christians. Last one, let me share with you about the disabled. The disabled. You'll find the story of Adonai Bezek in Judges chapter 1 and verse 7. If you want to turn there, Judges 1, 7. Everybody say disabled. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be disabled. Now, let me give you just a little bit of a background here. After the death of Joshua, the children of God are going up against the Canaanites. And they say to God, which tribe do you want to go first? And God says, send Judah first. Amen. So the tribe of Judah goes in the battle, and Adonai Bezek, who is the leader of the Canaanites, when the attack starts, he starts a running. Well, they chase after him, they catch up to him, and when they capture him, they cut off both of his thumbs, and they cut off both of his big toes. And we pick up the story in Judges chapter 1 and verse 7. Then Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has done to me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. So Adonai Bezek, when he conquered other cities, and those cities were led by what we call kings, instead of killing the kings, he would take the king, he would cut off their thumbs, he would cut off their big toes, and he would have them live under his banquet table where they would live there disabled, living off the scraps that fell from his table. Why did he do this? He cut off their thumbs so they could never hold a sword again, and he would not have to worry about them trying to kill him with the sword. He cut off their big toes because without the big toe, you really don't have good balance. And he knew they would not be able to run away. And I thought about this and I thought, how many of God's people, the devil has not killed, but he has disabled. He has spiritually cut off their thumbs to the point where they do not know the word of God and they do not know how to properly use the word of God. Amen? I'm reminded of the story of the young man who went to his pastor one day and told his pastor, I feel the call to preach. Well, the pastor knew that this young man was not faithful to Sunday school, not faithful to Sunday service, not faithful to midweek service, and asked the young man if he even knew enough of the word of God to even preach it. He said, yes, sir, I believe I do. And the pastor said, well, why don't you tell me about your favorite book of the Bible? He said, well, my favorite book of the Bible is the book of the parables. pastor looked a little perplexed and said, the book of the parables? He said, why don't you tell me what you know about the book of the parables? 
And so the young man began to tell him everything he knew about the book of the parables. He said, well, there was this rich young ruler one day who was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by thieves. But before the thieves could hurt him, they were chased away by a good Samaritan who was burying his talent in a borrowed field. And the rich young ruler continued on his way, but he soon fell off of his horse and he fell onto stony ground and great was the fall thereof. But because he was faithful, he persevered towards Jericho. But soon he caught his hair in the low branches of a tree and there he hung for 40 days and 40 nights. But a widow woman who was looking for a lost coin had come by and cut him down. He rejoiced in his deliverance and continued his way to, Jer to Jericho. When he arrived at Jericho, Jezebel was on the wall. And the rich young ruler shouted out, Who is on the Lord's side? Wise men from the east appeared and said, We are. And the rich young ruler shouted back, Throw her down. So they threw her down. He said, Throw her down again. So they threw her down again. He said, Throw her down 70 times 7. So they threw her down 70 times 7. And pastor, I ask you, of the 12 basketfuls remaining, whose wife will she be in the judgment? Now, I know that's a, a bit far-fetched. But friends, I'm telling you, we have an epidemic of wordlessness in the church of America. Too many Christians just don't know the word of God. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody that has a learning disability. But I'm telling you, there's too many within the church that have a lack of a hunger for the word of God or wanting to spend time in the word of God. And it is alarming. Folks, Jesus resisted temptation with the word. He rebuked the devil with the word. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. That's how we fight our battles is with the word of God. And if we don't have our spiritual thumbs, we will not be able to wield the sword of the spirit. We've allowed the enemy to disable us in that area to the point where we can't seem to decipher between truth and error. We've got a lot of people in the church today that are calling wickedness good. And they're calling goodness wicked. All because they don't know the word of God. And let me just say this. You can't say you love Jesus and not love his word. You just can't. Because Jesus is the word made flesh. Amen. We cannot lose our love for God's word. And not only has the devil cut off our spiritual thumbs, but he's cut off our spiritual big toes in so many different Christians today to where their life is not balanced at all. They easily fall into temptation or they can't seem to flee from temptation. They can't seem to run from evil when it presents itself and they're easily deceived. Folks, we've got Christians who have been deceived to think they can live an alternative lifestyle in the church and it's okay. We have Christians who have deceived themselves into thinking that abortion is okay. They have been disabled and they cannot stand firm in the things of God. And so they fall every time some strange wind of doctrine comes. They fall for it. They're falling for deception. My friend, I'm telling you, way too many of God's people are disabled. The devil hasn't killed them. He's just disabled them to where they are now no longer a threat to his kingdom. And now they have found themselves at the mercy of the enemy living under his table being a servant to the devil rather than a servant to God. Instead of being in their rightful position of authority, ruling with Christ in heavenly places, they're groveling at the feet of the enemy. I'm declaring to you, friends, 
We cannot stay disabled any longer. Listen, God has sent the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, to come and to rescue us and to deliver us. And he has come with healing in his wings to restore our lost thumbs and our big toes. Folks, it's time that we stop crying about our disability and we start declaring God's ability. Amen? It's time that we get up from underneath the enemy's table and we take responsibility. We've allowed this to happen to ourselves. We've allowed the enemy to capture us. We've allowed the enemy to disable us. But folks, it's time to realize that Jesus has come to restore us. And we've got to reach out and we've got to reclaim what we have lost. Hear me, saints of God, Jesus is knocking at the door of our hearts. He's wanting to bring courage and faith today to the disheartened. He's wanting to bring healing and deliverance to the diseased. He's wanting to bring restoration and wholeness to the disabled. There can be no more excuses. There can be no more reason why the fire of God is not burning bright in all of our lives. And folks, we can't look at everybody else and say... Well, you know, when she gets right, when he straightens up, come on. When this happens and that happens, no, we have to stand in the circle and say, here am I, Lord, I'm the problem. We have to do some serious introspection, amen? Listen, we've had a lot of talk, but not a lot of walk in the church. It is time for us who are going to name the name of Christ to depart from iniquity. Let's stop being disheartened. Let's stop being diseased. Let's stop being disabled. And let's start being the righteous warriors that God has called us to be. Amen. The righteous are bold as a lion. And it's time for us to rise up. Because if we really want to see change, come to our churches, to come to our homes, to come to our community, to come to our nation. Folks, it has to start with me. And it has to start with you. It's got to start with us, the individual. We have to look at what is wrong in my own life first. What's the old saying? Get the beam out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Folks, today it's got to be, Lord, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to do in my heart? What do I need to change? What do I need to fix? What do I need to confess? What do I need to repent of? What do I need to lay on the altar? Come on. Folks, God's fire does not fall on empty altars. If we want His fire to fall, we need to lay something on the altar. Amen? Come on, it's grilling season. There is nothing like the smell of flesh on the grill. Come on, whether it be pork flesh, chicken flesh, cow flesh. Man, you stand over that grill. Ooh, there's this aroma that comes from burning flesh. Folks, if you will lay your flesh upon the altar and let God's fire fall, it will become a sweet savor. It will become a sweet smell in his nostrils and he will come near and he will get even closer to us if we will allow the fire to burn our flesh and our impurities. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask if you'll just take a moment and bow your heads. Close your eyes. Focus in on just right now you. I don't want you worried about the pot roast. I don't want you worried about what restaurant you're going to. I want you to worry about who's beside you, behind you, around you. I just want you to focus just you and Jesus. This is not a message today of condemnation, but I pray it's a message of conviction. Somebody once said, what's the difference between condemnation and conviction? 
Condemnation will make you feel bad about yourself. Conviction will make you feel bad about your sin. Come on, I don't want you leaving here feeling bad about yourself, but I do want you leaving here feeling bad about your sin. And you don't just feel bad about it, but you feel bad about it enough to get to an altar and say, God, here am I. Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Touch me with the coal from your altar. You may be here today, and you don't know Jesus as a personal Savior. I'm not asking if you know Christmas Jesus or Easter Jesus. I'm sure you know about that Jesus. But do you know Jesus as a Savior? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you said, Jesus, my life's a mess, and I can't really do this without you. I need a Savior to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin, to wash away the shame and the guilt of the past, all the condemnation, all the stuff I beat myself up over, all of my mistakes and my frailties. I just need somebody to come and give me a clean slate. Will you come into my heart? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Have you ever given Jesus permission to work in your life? Today is your day. Whether you're here in this place or whether you're watching online, today is the day of salvation. The Bible doesn't say tomorrow is the day. It says today is the day. Because no man is guaranteed tomorrow. Come on, you, you, you live in this Baltimore area where there's some crazy drivers. Come on. It is not far-fetched to think that you couldn't get killed in a car accident this week. That is not far-fetched in this region. Come on. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't control tomorrow. But today, I can give my heart to Jesus. Today, I can say, Lord, here am I. Save me. So my heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment. I just want to ask, is there anybody in the house that needs Jesus? I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you or anything like that. I just want to know who here says, Brother Tim, I just need some prayer. I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just real quick, put that hand up and back down again. I see a hand. Anybody else? Anybody else looking up in the balcony? In the back? Anyone else? Just need Jesus. Just need Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've not been serving the Lord like you should. You're kind of lukewarm. You kind of become complacent lethargic, you've kind of been in the lazy boy of Christianity for a while. Today you want to say, you know what, I want to make a fresh start with God. I really want to not just have him be my Savior, I really want him to be my Lord. I want to say yes to him today. I want to renew, rededicate my life to him. If that's you, just wave at me real quick. Just wave at me if that's you. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus. I want to take the moment to just pray for those that want to receive Jesus today. Those of you that are watching online, those that are here that maybe didn't raise their hand, but they want to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, the Bible says, if we'll call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. The Bible tells us if we'll believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we shall be saved. This is an act of faith. And say, what's faith? Well, if I told you have a seat, you're probably not going to stand there for five minutes wondering if the chair is going to hold you. You're just going to sit down. That's faith. It's just a believing and a knowing. And if you will have faith to believe that what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and what he's done through his resurrection, you'll just have faith that as we pray this prayer, what you're praying, you really mean from your heart. If you'll have that kind of faith and just believe that, he's going to come in and he's going to make you brand new. It's going to wash away all the junk of the past. And you'll stand here today with a clean slate. No more shame. No more guilt. No more condemnation. The sin issue will be taken care of. 
So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I'm going to ask those of you that are here that already know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me to help those that maybe don't know Jesus. If you don't know Christ, will you pray this prayer with us? Say, Dear Jesus, today I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I believe you're God's Son, that you died for me, that you rose from the grave, you're seated at the right hand of the Father, and you're making intercession for me. I receive you today by faith as my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, cleanse me, forgive me, and make me new. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. If you prayed a prayer like that, I encourage you, message us, let us know, get with pastor, get with the leaders of the church, because they want to help you in your walk with Christ. But I want to ask this question. How many of you are just brave enough to raise your hand and say, Tim, today's message touched me in some area. It challenged me in some area. Just just wave at me. Just wave at me. That, that message has touched my heart in an area. There's an area where I've been weak. There's an area where I've been hiding some stuff. There's an area where I've been disabled. And I, I really want God to touch me today. I want to open up these altars. And we want to take time to pray for you individually. But I, I know God can touch you right where you're at as well. So I want to close in prayer. And I'm going to pray for you. And as I'm praying, I want you to pray too. I want you to tell the Lord. Have a little talk with Jesus. That old, that old hymn of the church. Have a little talk with Jesus. Have a little talk with him right now. Because listen, you don't need to tell me all your problems, but you do need to tell Jesus. Come on. There's another old song we used to sing. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend. Amen. He's a friend that will hear us. So as I pray for you right now, I want you to just, if there's an area that the Holy Ghost put his finger on, just confess that to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Invite him to mold you. Be soft and pliable in his hands that he might mold you. And then after I'm done praying, pastor will dismiss. And if you want special prayer, we invite you to come down and we'll take the time to lay hands upon you and pray and believe God with you. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the word of God because it is sharp. It's like a two-edged sword. Man, it pierces through. God, there's a lot of things that we can hide from the pastor. We can hide from other people, our family, our friends. But God, we can't hide from you. You search our hearts. You discern our thoughts and the intents and the motives of our heart. So God, I know that there are areas of our lives today that you're not happy with, you're not pleased with. You still love us, but you love us enough that you don't want to see us stay the same. You want to see us change. So, Lord, today we're asking right now that the Holy Ghost, who is the great change agent of the church, that he right now begin to work. Holy Ghost, be the convictor. Holy Ghost, be the convincer. Holy Ghost, be the change agent right now. Begin to deal with us, God. Cause us to come to a place where we repent. That just means we change our mind about something and we go in a different direction. God, we don't want to be disheartened anymore today. We want to stop hiding out in fear and we want to be courageous. God, we don't want to be diseased anymore. We want any issues with our flesh to be laid upon the altar so that the fire of God can come and consume that. And Lord, we don't want to be disabled anymore. We don't want to have our spiritual thumbs and big toes cut off. 
We want to know the word and walk in the word and be grounded and faithful and mature in the things of God so that you can use this God in these last days to bring in the last day's harvest before you come. So Lord, we're just giving you praise today and we're saying you have permission. God, you have permission to work on us. You stand at the door and you knock. You're not going to bust the door down. You're not going to intrude. But Lord, we're giving you permission to come on in. We're opening the door and we're saying, come on in, Holy Ghost, do a work in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. Listen, before you head out, if you need prayer for anything, whether God's speaking to you about something in the message that you'd like us to pray for, you need a physical touch, you're, you need agreement with a family member, come on, these altars are open right now. All you got to do is come down and stand on an X down here. We got you spaced apart. We're going to come and minister to you this morning. Come on, if you've got a prayer need. Come on, don't go that way before you come this way. God is faithful in the name of Jesus.